time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Yeah, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, hilarious writer and producer. You know him. He's the guy who created that crazy uh, kid, uh, Tash, this show. Mike Gibbons, we're going to be talking to Mike in a sec. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. Starburns Podcast. Some of the funniest folks in the world are there. Tune in and just relax. They'll take care of the rest of that. We got Advice Corner and Fiery Foreign Pop Quiz. Oh, it's a good show. And as always, before we get to my guest, Mike Gibbons, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by Knitways Expandabelt Funnel Pants. Pour any belly into a pair of Knitways College Football. Playoffs are set. LSU versus Oklahoma. Ohio State versus Clemson. Nick Saban's forehead versus a plaster wall. LSU steamrolled Georgia like a Zamboni doing 60. Wisconsin played a great first half against OSU. Then not only ran out of gas, but forgot to pack a flare and got rear-ended by a cattle truck. Buckeyes, like a stripper with rent due tomorrow, they just keep coming. Coming at you. Clemson literally walked a cake into the end zone. Oklahoma hanging by a thread thinner than Bernie Sanders' ear hair. And finally, Arkansas hired a new coach who asked that his name not be used to protect his family. That wrap-up sponsored by Noggin Dropper, the only eggnog with a hint of of Ambien. NFL! Seahawks got stomped like a drunk on crutches at Pamplona. 49ers actually lost on points, but won via the Electoral College. Patriots have lost two in a row for the first time since Robert Kraft got sex at home. Packers, the quietly mediocre division leader. And finally, the Steelers won despite a fake punt that was run worse than the Kamala Harris campaign. That wrap-up brought to you by Exasperilla, the soda that tests your patience. Baseball! Yankees offer Houston free agent pitcher Garrett Cole a quarter of a billion dollars. Maybe I should have stuck it out through those Little League wind sprints. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1987, the place, Boston, Massachusetts. Celtics' Larry Bird streak of 59 consecutive free throws comes to an end. Although Bird still insists it was a no-look pass to that daydreaming lummox Kevin McHale. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Creme de Hay. For a holiday aperitif at one-tenth the price of fancy liqueurs, try creme de hay. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, great producer, writer, the guy who made Tosh.0 happen and revolutionized brutally inexpensive television, Mike Gibbons. Gibby, how are you today? Oh, good to be here. How are you? Yo, you look fantastic. You know, I always guess the athletic body type of my guest because oh. it's radio, essentially, this podcast thing. So I want to give my, uh, my listeners an idea of what you look like. Sure. Uh, you have the athletic body type, to me, of a horse trainer who's just been reinstated. <laughs> and you, you, got, you got a crafty look in your eye. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You look that way. You grew up in New York, right? I did grow up in New York, yes. Where? 
<clears throat> both folks are from the Bronx, uh, and then uh, they split. How long is the podcast? I can talk about my parents' divorce for about four hours. All right, let's roll. They, uh, my dad was uh, in Manhattan, and I grew up right outside in Westchester County. Oh, sure, that's like just north. Just north, just north of the city. That's like a little bit of a suburbia there. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't grow up as fast as the New York City kids. I did go to boarding school, and I ran into New York City kids, and I, I went when I was 15. I actually <clears throat> asked to go away, whole other story. But at 15, I ran into New York City kids who were, like, over cocaine. They were like, ugh. <laughs> at, at 15, because I have, I have daughters now, 16, 14. So cynically, you were way behind the curve. Way, way. Well, I was I not jaded on blow at 15 years old like my uh, classmates. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> now tell me about this. Uh, what happened to the the, the uh, you asked to go to boarding school? Usually kids are sentenced to boarding school yeah. by parents and often nannies who've had it with the kids out here at least <laughs> right. in California. Um, I, boarding school for the East Coast is a, a lot more common, but uh, I was living in a, in a depressing apartment with my mom and my sister. And <clears throat> well, what other way could it be? That's true. I mean, how could it not be depressing <laughs> with your mom and your sister at that point after it, a divorce? It would have to have floor to ceiling windows yeah. and a piano. In, in East Chester, which everyone called Grease Chester, <laughs> I was the only non-Italian. Uh, Crestwood was down the hill, and Crestwood was where the marble quarries were. And all of uh, DC's all Italians, marble yeah. came from Crestwood because these Italian skilled laborers. Anyway, I was the only kid at night who who literally Sounds like prayed. you're holding back on the Italians there a little bit. Well, I well I'll tell you this. <laughs> yeah, I was pulling your punch there. A little no, bit. this is the weird thing. I was the only kid uh, at night who prayed to be shorter and have darker skin. That <laughs> yes, was sure. what I. Everyone else was praying to be taller, not me. The Italians were so fucking cool. I mean, it was the it was the decade of Rocky. It was oh, fucking yeah. Saturday Night Fever, Vinnie Barbarino, like all I wanted. And I was the only fucking tall, pale Irish guy yeah. in the whole school. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a, that. That's rough. Yeah. So get me to boarding school with my own type. <laughs> so, uh, no, what happened was my Some irritated uh, Irish kids. <laughs> Let me feel at home. Yeah. Uh, stepbrother and stepsister came into my life and they were in boarding school and they'd come home on the weekend. They're like, yeah, you know, after uh, after, you know, studying and we went down and played hockey. I'm like, whoa, whoa, back up. I go, what? <laughs> and first of all, that you have a hockey ring. He's like, oh, yeah, my school has two. I'm like, huh? And then like, or you go shoot hoops. It just sounded like summer camp to me. Sure, it is. And it was, man. I So I asked to go away, and I'm like, I'll try it one year. My mom was against it. I'm like, I'll try it one year. And I fucking fell in love with it. There's yeah. still some of my, you know, my best friends. And you, you know? don't have to uh, pond skate yeah. no. in the winter around tree stumps. Yeah. And sunken ice fishing sheds. You actually have a sheet of ice you can skate And on. the natural cracks that grab your blade and just halt <laughs> it. <laughs> That's right. Broke. Oh, man, that pond skating yeah. tip brought to you by Fish and Chimps, the seafood restaurant with monkey waiters, and the broken <laughs> clock store open 35 hours a day, 12 days a week. Now, New York, uh, Jets, Mets, or Giants, Yankees, or did you break that mold and cross uh, route? I did. Uh, I, my trivia question actually involves that later. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't touch it then. No, yeah, no, no, I no. I, I won't spoil it. I won't right, spoil it. Okay, okay. I grew up, though. Uh, I you have the skill to not spoil it because I believe uh, Mike is our first ever guest with a master's degree. Wow, how did you find that out? Yeah, look, I I, uh, I got a stat man. Glenn. I don't tell anyone in this town. I think if you no, tell no, them- it's a detriment in Hollywood. 
Education totally. is horrible. Yeah, NYU. Uh, I don't throw that around at all. It's the ice crack of uh, Hollywood. I think it just grabs your ankle and it takes you right down. Every interview, <laughs> just screaming, stop, and you smash your nose. Uh, I think now, if they find out you went to college, it's a it's a it's a mark against you. It's yeah, like yeah. Four less years of getting like shit on getting coffee for someone, Matt. I don't think you're right for us. <laughs> Um, yeah, we can't break you. Yeah. In. So my, you know, New York neighborhoods are very sort of territorial in terms of are you Giants or Jets? Are you Mets or are you Yankees? Right, right. So I was obviously Yankees, both both parents from the Bronx. So if you're from that area in Westchester, you're usually Giants, Rangers, uh, Yankees, and then everyone's the Knicks. So, uh, but I, my dad took me to Shea Stadium. And I don't, I guess I was four or something. I don't know what, anyway. And I saw Joe Namath play and that was it. That was it. I mean, in New York, first of all, it was galvanizing. Yeah. So I even, I have, my mom showed me a photo of me. I don't know what grade, probably like seventh grade or something, wearing a Rams uniform for Halloween. That's how much of a Joe Namath fan I was. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. That's (laughs) maybe, maybe. Uh, so that's where I broke the norm. I was the only Jets fan in my neighborhood. Wow. Yeah. So, so you're a tall Irish kid wants to be Italian (laughs) and you're a Jets fan in a Giants neighborhood. Yeah. I was not, I was not getting laid a lot. And by, by even through, even through my late (laughs) twenties. Yeah, look, I'm not, I'm not much of an analyst, but one word contrarian keeps popping up. There is that. There is that. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, psychological tip brought to you by Show Bloats, the Gassy Gals Strip Club, and Gesundheits, the leotards that help cut your sneezing in half. Let's dive right into the career. Uh, you did. You started kind of late, late show. Uh, you worked for both Craigs, did you not? You worked for the first Craig, the yeah. Kilborn kid, who was yeah. a sports announcer. Took a lot of gigs for me, that youngster. Yes. Uh, but, but, uh, but And then uh, the other uh, Craig you worked for, the Ferguson. British guy. You I, worked for both, right? I just, I kind of launched Ferguson, you know. <clears throat> he auditioned for the role, as, as did a lot of people. And then uh, once he got it, I then had an offer to go over to Ellen DeGeneres' show, because someone from uh, Kilbourne had gone over there. Anyway, so I didn't work much with Ferguson. It was mostly Kilbourne and then a little bit of Ferguson, and then I took off. Uh, to, for Ellen. For so Ellen. So that, that triumvirate right there, there's the, I believe they give a purple heart for that at the Emmys. Because <laughs> nobody's done that. I should have. Gauntlet. Yeah. Well, the claim was that Ellen was bringing late night to daytime. That was what sold me. Oh, that's what, yeah. And, 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 and I it only lasted happen. a year there. Yeah, it kind of. Well, in a weird way. Uh, anyway, my overarching theory on uh, what happened to late night is I think Ellen uh, and the EP was from from David Letterman. Ellen uh, brought Letterman to daytime in terms of a stand up monologue and just took the edge off everything and right. then leaned into Letterman was amazing at games and how you know, like, you know, putting in putting a microphone and, you know, or an earpiece in someone's right, ear right. and feeding them lines, having a white haired mom be a correspondent. She took all that. And then Fallon was like, oh. Made it hers. Yeah. yeah. And then Fallon. And then Fallon's like, oh, that's the late night I want to do. So then Fallon took daytime Boom. and put it at night. Wow. Looped right back around. Yeah. That's my theory. Uh, and, and and then uh, you went, you worked for the Corden kid. Yeah. I was like. The uh, British kid. That kid is, uh, he's, he's, he, that kid Corden should be his nickname. <laughs> 
Shouldn't it? it DJ's like, on weekends? Yeah, he's like a boxer. <laughs> or a boxer. I yeah, like yeah. that. Kid Corden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's got the spunk. The British boxers have to have spunk because they, they don't do. have a lot of speed. They are tough. They are, yeah. They take yeah. a beating. They do. They really bleed and they don't care. I played rugby in college a little bit. and the We Br- beat Hitler. Bring it on. The they British don't care. kids were so fucking tough. It was yeah. And uh, absolutely present the opposite. They present the yeah. opposite and then they just play in pain. Yeah, they, yeah, they really do. They, so, so, so th- now that's a whole different uh, spin on late night because he brought the kind of British thing over with yeah. the, the you got the three assistant coaches sitting across from you, right? Uh, your guests, and then you and then you hammer it out. Yeah, and one thing I think I'm not talking out of school. One thing was he really the British come from a one show a week, even the ones you're describing with the whole panel out there. Yeah, but they come from like one hour a week and all that. So he only wanted home run ideas, and I remember. Lauren Greenberg's there. She's the head writer now. And she had this amazing idea, which was, um, it was basically like you would like do a poll or something. But basically, I think the idea was, what do guys with pet snakes think? (laughs) And I'm like, that's gold. That's gold. We do that like once a month, twice a month. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. I go, we need those to free up our karaoke's. Like, we're not going to get Mariah Carey every week. I go, we need, and if you want to go shoot at the Grove, you can only leave the office and go shoot if some other bit is waiting to get done that night. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, and that was a real... Uh, Concept. Conceptually tough for guys that sometimes, uh, hosts sometimes, to grasp the idea that you got to have these refillable bins exactly of it. moronic ideas. Right, totally. And I only know this because I've watched Late Night uh, since uh, <laughs> since uh, the early Tonight Show. You watched it closely, I Jack imagine. Parr and uh, a couple of those guys. Yeah. Uh, that Jerry guy used to run it even before him. Uh, right. But but uh, yeah, uh, so so yeah, you got to have the kind of dumb ideas that you can bring out every now and then that cost six cents. Refillables. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the guy totally with the folding needed. chair, stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. then he comes out and he screws up folding up the chair three, four times. And you go, all right, well, yeah, that chair bit. That way when Mariah Carey drops out, yeah, right. you go, get the, get the writer who does the folding chair bit. That'll lead up two minutes and we can get home. Did you hear that uh, Stump the Band, Johnny Carson's famous bit, was when he shit all over the comedy that day? Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't that's know true that. story. So he's in the room with his writers and producers. No, he apparently never went in the room oh, with the writers. He, 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 <laughs> Not the writers. <laughs> he just read all the material and went, this is all crap. Yes. And he said, we got to do something. Yeah. And Doc Severinsen, high as a kite, <laughs> walked in and said, get Shaughnessy on the drums. I'll run you through this. That's exactly it. <laughs> Wow, that historical lesson brought to you by Kafka Ask. Ask any question and get a befuddling answer at KafkaAsk.com. And Junior's Juicy Pemmican. Tired of dried pemmican and own a fridge? Try Junior's Juicy Pemmican. It's basically steak. They're amazing, though. Yeah, they're, well, they're all good to me because they keep it short, you know. <laughs> And I don't write them, I just read them. Uh, uh, now, how'd you hook up with the Fitzsimmons kid, this Greg Fitzsimmons? He's like the Marvin Hagler of comedies. He's a veteran. Yeah. Y- yeah, he's a little on the short side. You think you're going to, boom, take him out because you're all cocky. And then, bam, he rabbit punches you, you're out cold. Totally. Funny kid. I met him uh, at Boston University. And oh, that's I, right, the Terriers. Yeah. I, oh, Terriers, you're right. Wow. And when I, uh, I was the best man at his wedding, and uh, people laughed way too hard at this line, which I opened with, which was, like most of you, when I first met Greg, I did not like him. And 
that, and I think it's because I was very similar to him. So I'm like that, and I hate myself. So it's like that fucking guy. <laughs> so for a year at BU, we did not like each other, and uh, now we're best friends. Yeah, and he was started doing stand up up there with. I uh, can see him looking at you, going, "Oh, you're not gonna like me." <laughs> I'm not gonna like you. Let's face it, you're like me, and I fucking hate you. So, uh, super battle of the contrarians. But it was like the Bill Burr and Louie. That whole you're familiar with uh, as a, a fan of comedy. The uh, Bill Burr, that, that yeah. whole generation. A lot of them got a start in Boston, and and you know, like Louie's not even from Boston. A lot of people right, peg him right. as that just because he started in that comedy, yeah. comedy scene. That's what that's what I was say. David Cross, got along with a bunch of them, yeah. And and then and then uh, did you ever write with him? Did you ever work together? Did you work together at Ellen? Were you guys there? Yes, at the same he time? was at Ellen. He was uh, he was fired while I was there. I get a call, and it's like, uh, do you know how to? <laughs> this is swear to I see his. Normally, I wouldn't answer my phone at Ellen because it was always just a, a pain in the ass. But I see it's his number, so I pick it up, and all I hear is like, do you, like bobbling. He's like, do you know how to remove porn from a computer? And I'm like, I go, well, yeah. Wait. He's like, no, no, too slow. So, so I was like, and he slams the phone, and I'm like, what the fuck? That's not a typical Ellen call. And I'm like, what the fuck? So then I go down there, and he has three people around him desperately trying to remove all the porn. And then all of a sudden, a security guard shows up, and that's how I learn he's been let go. And a security guard's going to watch him pack his things. And he immediately knows because of the way things went there, they will look for a reason not to pay out his contract. Uh, so he was desperately trying to get like his, his computer had like three comedy ideas and the rest of it was porn. Just porn. <laughs> Which can kind of be comedy ideas. <laughs> if, if they unlock the subconscious. Great daytime for a bits. Sick comedy writer. <laughs> <laughs> sure. right up Ellen's alley. Those are the days you need the guy with a folding chair. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Wow. Well, listen, that employment tip, which is get the porn off your uh, computer, uh, if you're even suspecting you might get fired, is brought to you, oddly enough, by Pornaments. Spice up your Christmas tree with Pornaments and tea. When there's no other choice but scalding water, try tea. Tosh.0, how'd you fall into this? Because this was a show that literally cost 12 cents. Yeah. And even then, almost too expensive for Comedy Central. Yes. They and, are. And, and yet the genius idea, which clearly in a, in, a, in, a, in a way has revolutionized what's going on in a lot of TV and a lot of what's happening with online comedy and wherever the kids are doing it now. Yeah. Did you get called in on that, or did you know Tosh? No, happened? Tosh was, I guess, I think under a year contract. He had done two pilots that didn't go, and then uh, Comedy Central put us together. And I was, he knew nothing about the internet. I was very, I became obsessed with YouTube at a very early stage. Like, they were just wormholes, whether it was watching crazy esoteric stuff like dick cavick like you know interviewing john lennon whatever whatever it was or or that folder uh, uh dubbed fitzsimmons porn <laughs> that, that was on there very heavily heavily uh yeah censored so it's good for a lot of things you're saying yes uh, yeah the, and then the um so anyway we long story short we they're like hey we want you to do a pilot uh it, you're gonna do it in the comedy central workspace i'm like run this by me again <laughs> And they're like, uh, oh, no, no. I'm like, you're not going to pick up a fucking show in, that we do in the theater. And so they're it's like, a play. Yeah, they're like, no, 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 we did. We did. We picked up Mencia and Naked Trucker. I'm like, those are fucking stage shows. I go, that's a stand-up. And the Naked Trucker like is doing it at Largo, this bar. 
I go, this is a clip show. There's no booth. So I had to, I, I remember I had to learn, um, what's that program that Steve Jobs uses, a keynote which is the PowerPoint of Macintosh. So it's just a bunch. I remember I had 73 slides. That was the Tosh pilot. I had all these. I had a backup laptop next to me. I sat in the front row of this shitty theater with like heavily You mean the Comedy Central workspace? Yeah, it's so much fancier. Uh, With all heavily (laughs) duct-taped cables that could not (laughs) fall out of my Macintosh that went on the floor, which Daniel had to like hop over, and then to a big TV that we had to rent. And uh, uh, I'll probably get a letter, a cease and desist from Comedy Central Buzz. But anyway, literally the budget for the Tosh pilot was $5,000. Good Lord. Uh, I had to rent a couch for him to sit on, which was 500 So 10% of the budget was for the couch. <laughs> the couch. Just so your host didn't fall from exhaustion. Exactly. And uh, and they're like, that was amazing. Let's do another one. <laughs> So then we got a green screen, and they gave us fifty thousand for the second Tosh pilot, and uh, we did the same thing basically. And then they picked it up. Yeah. I just love the idea that you've got a computer and programs and a keynote app, and uh, it's all held together by your dad's duct tape. Yes, a hundred percent. Literally, when you were growing up, get the duct tape. Yeah, that, it had patched everything together. It was yeah. People, it, I remember together I would, maybe the most successful show Comedy Central's ever had. And I remember never uh, having a car without duct tape could fix almost anything. Yeah, if your yeah. Car broke down. It would hold a car together. Yes, that's good tape. Yeah. That tip brought to you by the Marianas trench coat, featuring the deepest pockets in the business. Now, did you ever get in any legal trouble? And that uh, Tosh, because you guys just ripped off the yes. videos. <laughs> oh, oh, that no, no, not that. But I did have a meeting. I got called into a meeting with that famous guy that created America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? Vin DeBona. Yes. Yeah. So Vin DeBona calls me and he's like, "So you're the guy that I'm like, oh, I go, I totally ripped off your idea. I go, I, I basically said in the creation, I go, this is America's Funniest Home Videos meets the soup." And uh, I go, that was my sort of that mantra. Was that was yeah. my mantra out of the gate. And he's like, uh, well, I'm glad you're honest about it. Uh, that guy's not very threatened. You know how one of the ways, other than having the most successful show in like season 28, uh, you were n- when you sent in a clip to America's Funniest Home Videos, you had to sign over the rights of the video. Wow. Otherwise, it was never even opened or considered. Wow. So every single video, he then created basically then a clip house of, hey, Pepsi, do you want cute uh, dogs, like, you know, smothering a kid at like a barbecue? I got that. And he would then have the right to sell your home videos to everybody. Wow. And and you know he's making even more money because they make a big deal out of the prize money being 10 grand. (laughs) Which oh, I is, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's 19 year olds making that on YouTube every minute. Yeah, by and sucking I, peas through a straw. I don't I, know what they're yeah, doing there. And I bet the first eight seasons he didn't pay Saget that well. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> At least not according to Bob. All right, listen. I got a bona fide big time writer and producer with me. Time for advice corner. Actual takeaway from the great Mike Gibbons. Now, Mike, you know, uh, growing up isolated. Culturally and religiously <laughs> in uh, Westchester County, yeah. uh, you probably experienced the notion of uh, little uh, slivers of uh, show business flying at you thinking, ooh, I'd kind of like to do that someday. Maybe you heard somebody on the radio, saw somebody. Mm. Do. There might be kids out there listening to us right now 
So let's see if we can't give him a little advice. I'm going to ask you some questions just to answer as uh, boldly and honestly as you can here. All right. All right. You're a new writer in a writer's room. Quick tip on on pitching ideas. What should a new writer know about pitching ideas in a room where maybe everybody else has been there a while or experienced? Uh, well, one thing, and uh, especially nowadays, I've seen it more recently, shut the fuck up is one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give. Just like anyone, you think the new guy at fucking NASA is going to be like, ah, no, I have an idea for the rocket. Like, and talk over all these fucking engineers that have been there for 20 years. Like, so just know your place, which is, uh, I, I, I didn't have that advice for the longest time, but lately there's a, there's a crew of a new generation that really has never been told to shut the fuck up. So there's that. Don't, think your idea don't reek of i have a great idea uh that it's kind of like a joke where or it's kind of like being introduced like this is the funniest guy in the world it's like oh good luck following that now sneak your idea yeah. in there undersell it undersell it you, you don't have to actively say like uh although a lot of people do like well here's an unusable one or here's a shitty one right, right. Just, you just, can by the way that uh, that will probably help but just go into it like here's another one we're going to be here all day here's one idea i would do that and then the most the most important thing about this question i would say is uh don't repitch it if it doesn't sell if it doesn't sell first time, at least as a new writer, yes, don't repitch it until re you have the rep as somebody right. who knows how to repitch an idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to recontextualize it or find another angle on it if you want to repitch yeah, it. Damn, but. that's master's talk right there. Recontextualize. Yeah, I can't even say it. Best advice for a first-time producer because you shifted from just writing uh, yeah. to <laughs> producing, and uh, and a lot of a lot of folks. Uh, a lot of young writers are going to get that opportunity, especially with all the platforms out there, going to yeah. get a chance to produce, and boom, they jump at it, and then they go, oh, hell, right. what am I doing? Well, that's a good piece of advice. Uh, there's so many different types of producing, but I would just, I think it's all, for me, it's all about the writing. So if you're a producer, you just have to get the funniest people in that room, uh, which is getting harder now because... There's very much, I'll add the word, illegal uh, directive on, like, <clears throat> you must hire uh, this type of gender. You must hire diversity, and that's technically illegal. Uh, so, really, it should just be funny. So, like, I just uh, was a producer. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, filming your opponent's uh, practices are technically illegal, <laughs> but the Patriots are Super Bowl champs. So. Hey, by the way, at Corden, we did a thing with uh, Joe Montana, and it was the uh, around the time that the deflate gate happened yeah. with uh -huh. so i asked him like what do you between you know when the camera wasn't rolling i'm like what do you think about uh, the deflate game and all that and he as a quarterback brought up the most interesting thing he's like you know the stat i'd look at is fumbles i go because that's and he goes everyone's looking at passing and his receivers catching you know the yeah. ball that tom brady prefers he's like i bet the fumble percentage on running backs who like maybe were traded there he's like that's one i'd look at and then and and anyway he ended on like um and go and what do you think of that because of course the patriots have cheated against the jets before and he goes well you know what if you're not cheating you're not trying and then he like walked away and he turned around he's like and they try really hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. So you're saying as a producer, uh, get 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 funny people around you. In, in, yeah. In, in, and the, so, in the room, and it helps you out. At least with writers, uh, I, I just did the roast of uh, Alec Baldwin, and I told them to take all the names off the packets, and then I read them because if I – and I picked the funniest ones. And then if someone told me, well – 
uh, you can't have, I'm like, what do you mean? I go, I just picked like number seven, nine, 13, and 10. Right. I go, that's who I want. I don't give a shit what gender or nationality they are. Yeah. And it's uh, not going to matter to uh, Alec Baldwin out there. Right. He's just looking for the funniest joke so he can yeah. respond to people who've just lacerated him. Right. So uh, surround yourself with talent. That's I good. Would say. Quickest way to diffuse an angry host. Now, you've dealt with. Uh, You've run the gamut there. Yeah. You've had a lot of hosts, a lot of egos, a lot of different kinds of hosts. Yeah. You've worked with everybody from Mencia all all the way to Ellen to everyone. Well, George Lopez would, I think. Yeah, Lopez and and, and, uh, Kevin McHale you worked with on the sitcom there. and So you've had all kinds. Yeah, Joel McHale. Joel McHale. Kevin Kevin McHale. Did he have a sitcom? No, I'm thinking of Bob Uecker. I'd say uh, you just have to know when to pick your battles, and that is not the time to pick it. They're freaking out because of some overarching pressure. It's not maybe about the bit. You will make the mistake of thinking it's about the bit and maybe engage them. You just have to take the blows. Yeah. Uh, and they will definitely cool down. Um, and, and, and in other words, in picking your battles, realize, oh, they're not even in this battle. They're they're right. they're angry about some war. It could be personal, but it could also probably be the pressure of the show. They probably read comments about about them being softer than another host or whatever it right, is. Right. And so I would say just you just got to eat it. And it's not don't view it as like a sacrifice or that you're you are taking one for the team, but it's like it's, part of the job. It's in your interest, yeah. Um, to it's almost like a therapist hearing them out. Let them get it all out, right? Uh, and I had to learn that because it, early on, I'd be like, even with Kilborn, he's like, he'd freak out about something. I'm like, fuck you, this is fun. Like, I would just be like, I'm not taking this shit, right? Uh, this was a funny bit. You're having a bad day, and then you know, I really, I then began to lead with, you're having a bad day. Let me hear what you have to say about it. Ah, smart. Finally, late night rewrite. The room is dragging. What's your go-to pick-me-up? Uh, pick going, home. going home. Going home. Going home. Just send them home and say, we'll, we'll tackle this it's tomorrow not, morning at 10. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my, uh, my stepbrother was a very good long-distance runner, and I was not. But I was starting to run in high school, and I, and I remember going to him. I'm like, uh, and he would, like, compete in these cross-country trail running things. I'm like, what? I go, you know that when you get to that point where you really want to stop, I go, I know there's tricks like you press on the on the fucking cramp and you, you exhale like really deeply. Or some people like put their fingers together and they have a fucking weird like system. Some and zen uh, yoga thing. Yeah, some zen. Like So I want a secret. I go, what do you do when all you want to do is stop? And he's like, I stop. <laughs> I was like, okay. Don't overthink it. Yeah. That advice corner brought to you by Holiday Catheters. Face it. Some Christmas shoppers hitting a deer on the frontage road, and you're going to be in traffic 90 minutes longer than you thought. Get yourself a holiday catheter in Santa, Elf, or Angel bag. Ho, ho, go with holiday catheters. Now it's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. Mike, these are sports takes hotter than Godzilla's lit farts. Fire number one. Three quick losses. Is this the end for Tom Brady and the Pats? Will he be bald and paunchy by February? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I stopped following sports because of uh, the the teams I grew up liking, uh, kind of. That but probably should have been put on my pre-interview notes. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, okay. I watched the game. I don't know. I I guess how many times have people said it's over for him, right? This yeah, probably, true. So I don't know. I think. Uh, He's like Dan Hadaya in Blood Simple. <laughs> he, just, he just keeps standing up. Yeah. Maybe he self-identifies that way. I, I, I'd say he's not. I don't think it happens that fast. Uh, yeah. How long has his mediocrity been? Three, three games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not quite the the course of his success. Yeah. I think those mathematicians would be like, "This is not a uh, pattern yet. Uh, this yeah, may be an right. anomaly." That's right. I think Fire we have to number wait. two. How would you write the listing Italian cruise ship that is the New York Knicks? I have no fucking answer. It's the most, it's the most money. Uh, yeah. It's the richest city, maybe in the world. Definitely in the United States. The just the I guess teams make their money with the TV. You know, it's the most. It's the biggest TV market in the world. I, I like just buy it. The fucking Yankees bought championships. Buy them, yeah. I, but yeah. then they they try and they can't even buy them. I yeah, don't know. That's true. That's wow. I really don't know. It's Man. it's a it's a mystery. Here's how bad the Knicks are. Even a bona fide world class contrarian <laughs> can't even come up with an insult idea. Yeah. to get you fire number three. Soccer. Put on your TV producer hat. How can we make it remotely watchable? Get rid of offsides. Oh, that's a scoring good more scoring. scoring score score more I, scoring. I, I would add only to that uh, two words tiger pits. Ooh, I like tiger yeah. Pit. Just sitting, yeah. You're just yeah. out there. You're driving down the left side. Wham! You're gone. Yeah, I you're like just that. gone. You're dead. Finally, fire number four. If you had the power, what sport would you put in the Olympics? Wow. Uh, okay. I got to think of a sport that's yeah, not in the Olympics. Because well, I would, I'll tell you what I would do. Oh, all right. Just I give hear. you a little time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know I popped this one on sure. heavy at the end. Uh, I would go garbage can hoops because I think that's just as challenging I as like the biathlon. Yeah, or just as challenging as as uh, the kids who run around with the ribbons on the end of bowling pins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, garbage yeah. can hoops take some skill. I'd put it right in an office. I would set it right in an easy shoot for the I Olympic like uh, television crew. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I don't. I yeah, that's a good one. Uh, what what one did I just think of a second ago? Um, that's okay. We got oh, wiffle ball. Oh man, yes, some crazy wow, talented wiffle ball people. One. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. That is a great wiffle ball. That fiery four brought to you by Candy Canes. <laughs> Tough to unwrap and not really worth it. That fiery four also brought to you by Ryan Gosling in the network for people who just want to work for Ryan Gosling. And of course, pyrotherapy down in the dumps. Burn something fun at pyrotherapy. All right, my friend. Now you have a pop quiz for me. This I is do. where uh, my guest, the great Mike Gibbons, uh, is going to ask me three questions. I'm now seven seventy six and two on the season, uh, and uh, but but I'm I'm on a one uh, one two and one uh, streak right now. I'm I'm doing for consider wow. speaking of career arcs. Yeah, that's not bad for me. This little chunk of it's not yet a pattern, as the mathematicians would say. Okay. But I think I'm on the upswing. Swing. Uh, Mike Gibbons has three questions for me. Pop quiz. Hang on. We got a theme song. Here you go. Pop pop quiz. Fire away. No, no, no. The look on your face said it all. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad everyone could see it. 
Okay, this is going to be uh, covering some familiar terrain from the from the past half hour. I was born in 67. I like the Knicks, the Jets, and the New York Rangers. Since I've been alive, how many championships total do those three organizations have? The Knicks, the Jets, and the Rangers. Uh, let's see. One, two... And then let's get to the Rangers. Three? I'm going to go three. One for each. Four. Rangers Nick, got, to, got twice. Knicks had two. Knicks had two. Because they had 70 and 73. They beat the Lakers both times. Ah, damn it. Uh, but, wow, that was close. Okay. If I may, though, the Rangers <laughs> formed in 1926. Uh, they won... Uh, the last one they won was 1940 forever. Everyone chanted that forever. And then they won in 94. But this was the quote when I looked it up uh, yesterday. Uh, in the 40s and 60s, the Rangers frequently missed the playoffs, despite the fact that four of the six teams in the league made the playoffs every year. <laughs> wow. That's, six uh, teams. I'm no uh, mathematician, but that is about 67%. <laughs> And the Jets, man, it's 50 years now. Only the Browns and Lions, who've never won, have a longer streak of not of not making making it to a Super Bowl. But uh, uh, to, to help you out emotionally, uh, both the Browns and Lions seem dedicated to not ever getting another one. They so I, I think you're safe there. Okay, that's question one. Okay. I'm taking a moral victory on that one for just getting I think close. you should. All right. Uh, Tis the season. So, some of the best songs. White Christmas. Some of my favorite Christmas songs. White Christmas. Yes. The Christmas song, you know, Nat King Cole, Chestnut Sun, and Open Fire. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. White Christmas, the Christmas song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What what do those three songs have in common? White Christmas, the Christmas song, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I am going to say... They all have one very, very unique thing in common. Wow. Uh, Bing Crosby sang the original. Yeah. I could also add Winter Wonderland, Let It Snow, Silver Bells, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Holly Jolly Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. They're all written drunk. Maybe they're all written by Jews. Wow. Good Lord. Yeah. Wow. Talk about contrarians. That is, that is, that's the deep hook there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the deep con. And then I read some stat, 12 out of the 25, as determined by Airplay, 12 of the 25 biggest holiday songs written by Jews. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, this will get me caught in a hashtag, but they do have a knack for for, for, for good pop songs. I, they're great writers. Right up through a Carol King, a Jewish kid, I yeah. 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 So they know how to end up to the Billy Joel kid. They know how to write the pop songs. They, they do. Know they, they, they no, do. you're right. I should have thought of that, damn it. Oh, Bob uh, Dylan. All right, I'm 0-2, but let's see if I can't save my... Uh, well, Bob, okay. Bob Dylan didn't really write pop songs. No, no, no. He was a poet. And uh, at which point you go, well, then stop singing. Hava right. Nagila Hava, whatever that is. Hava Nagila. Is that the Jewish song? That's that kind of a... They could turn it Surprising. into a Surprising. Ted song. Nugent wrote that. Wow. <laughs> That's deep. Talk about a crossbow to the... Far from Jewish heart. Far from Jewish guy. <laughs> I tried to pick the furthest <laughs> yeah, away from him. And he did. He succeeded. Uh, all right. Oh, and two. This have is you, for dignity. Have you seen The Irishman? I have not yet, but I've seen the other one, so I'm assuming it's similar. It's true or false. Yeah, so right. here we I'll go. take a shot. 
Is the Irishman longer than a full season of Fleabag? Yes. You are correct. It is over an hour longer, longer yeah. than a full season of and Fleabag. I, I didn't base the sense Scorsese or that end of it. I just based it on a British sitcom knowing that uh, they're happy with six episodes, and then they walk away, and they they go do a Christmas carol on stage for seven years. So that's what I based it on. But it could be even ten episodes, I think, would have also been. Maybe, yeah. Because it's over an hour longer. Um, The, what you want, uh, it is, you know Goodfellas, how meaty and perfect, but very full Goodfellas felt? Yeah. Uh Hour and two minutes longer. The The Irishman. Wow. Yes. Irishman, (laughs) I went down a wormhole with it. 20 minutes shorter than uh, Lawrence of Arabia, which had a formal intermission. (laughs) Wow. Yes. That's right. You could go out into the lobby and have a smoke. Even on the video, they still have an intermission on Gone with the Wind. Like when you read it, it goes in. I'm like, oh, all right. That's That's impressive. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's top notch. So it's a long move. Scorsese's not buying any of that. Sit down. Shut up. Watch the movie. Yeah. Get my point. That pop quiz brought to you by Cantanker Ale. Get cranky. Drink Cantanky. It's got bite. My guest today, the hilarious Mike Gibbons. Follow Mike on Twitter at Gibbons Time. Make sure to catch the new, uh, you're working on this Burt Kreischer Netflix yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, you're producing and writing on it. It's tentatively called Cabin, but don't hold your breath. That hasn't gone through the legal true, procedures. True, true. Uh, Mike, thank you. What, what else What else are you doing? Can we, can we hear you, and, uh, can hear you, see you, or catch your work any, anywhere else? I did the uh, Between Two Ferns movie. Oh, uh, with Zach, yeah, that was That's fun. That's a big deal with Zach Galifianakis. That's been out for a while, uh, wow. shorter than The Irishman. That kid is hotter than Kate Upton's breasts. That's Galifianakis <laughs> okay. kid is on fire. And then uh, what do I want to plug? I have nothing to do with it, but I finally saw that uh, Pen15, uh, that show about the oh, two girls yeah, in yeah, grammar yeah. school. Holy shit, it is making me laugh so hard. Funny, so go watch that. I go. That's my plug. And I, I have Givens. nothing to do with it. Mike, thank you for coming. Of course, man. That was great. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse. Follow my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. He's got an album coming out, Thinking is Hard. It's going to be out soon on 800. Has he been a guest on here? Uh, no, he's not. We are, he's our, tough our to schedules. Get. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's constantly busy. you got to pin him down. I think it's mostly. I've with, worked with him. Amazing with dude. church work right oh, now. I really? think he's busy with Yeah. Oh, wow. He's had a complete spiritual change. <laughs> He's writing Jewish Christmas songs. (laughs) Thanks to all of you for listening. Support my sponsor, Starburns Comedy. They make Rick and Morty and stuff like that. That's enough said there. If you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Ronkonkoma, New York, for the non-sled sledding invitational. That's right. Take anything down the hill but a sled, and you could walk away with it all, provided you can still walk. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.